Today we begin a new series entitled, I Am Moses, Lessons from the Life of Moses. Moses is one of the most influential men throughout history, impacting not only the formation of Israel, the religion of Judaism and Christianity, but impacting so many things within our laws and government. So let's begin with, I Am Moses, an introduction. Deuteronomy chapter 34 says this about Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. Moses is an instrumental man in the history not of Israel but of the entire world because he's given us so many things when you think about the law of Moses for example it is the basis of much law uh, that is utilized even today so let us begin with looking at briefly four reasons that we want to study the life of Moses first of all we want to talk about his place in the history of Israel in the Bible Moses is mentioned 800 and 73 times. That's pretty significant. Now let's think about what his role was in Israel. Who is Israel anyway? Well, if we think back, first of all, we see that God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And Abraham was told to leave the land that he uh, was living in to go to a place that was a place of promise. It was a place that he never really experienced ownership of, but he became the one that received the promise. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, enjoy the blessings that were promised and the covenant relationship that was established with Abraham. Well, Abraham had a son, Isaac, and to him the promise was given. And from Isaac came Jacob. And from Jacob, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's 12 sons, one of them was Joseph. And we know Joseph was Jacob's favorite. He was the one that uh, was favored by his dad. We also know that because he was favored by his father, he was pretty much disliked by the rest of his brothers. And we know that he was sold into slavery, and to make a long story short, he ended up in Egypt. He ended up imprisoned in Egypt. But over a period of time, he goes from being that young teenage boy who had um, very little favor with his brothers to one who had favor with Pharaoh in Egypt. We know that then a uh, drought came, and there was a shortage of food and famine in the land. And Jacob sent his sons down to Egypt because he's heard there was food there. Well, here's the interesting thing. Why was there food? Because Joseph was there. And he had interpreted a vision and a dream and had told the Pharaoh, what we need to do, we need to save uh, all of the uh, crops and we need to set aside crops because we're going to have seven great years, seven years of plenty, and save that stuff, save the food, save the grains. And we did that. And so now we see that there's seven famine years. And here come Joseph's brothers into Egypt. Well, they discover that that's their brother. And they live in fear for a while, thinking that he is going to exact his revenge, but he does not. In fact, he's sent home, they're sent home to get their father. And they come and live in Egypt. So now we go and we, we cover several hundred years. And we've grown from 70 to several million. And in Exodus chapter 1, it says, A new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us 
and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Well, that's what happened. And the children of Israel were placed in slavery and in bondage in Egypt. But they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard them and was going to send them a deliverer. That deliverer was going to be Moses. So the second thing we recognize is not only his place in the formation of Israel, but his place in Israel's deliverance from Egypt. In Exodus chapter 14, it says, When the people of Israel saw the mighty power the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So he had a significant role in seeing Israel delivered from Egypt. He also had a very important role in helping Israel identify and understand their purpose as a nation. In 1 Kings it says, When you brought our ancestors out of Egypt, our sovereign Lord, you told your servant Moses that you had set Israel apart from all the nations of the earth to be your own special possession. They came to understand their place through Moses' understanding and helping them identify their place and purpose. The second thing we recognize is Moses is significant to study because of his role in the formation of the Jewish religion. Prior to Moses, think of what we had. We had oral tradition. We had a father telling a son, telling a son, telling a son, and that's what had happened. And we see when we look at the early uh, written words about Israel, what are they? The law of Moses, the Pentateuch. Well, guess who wrote them? The first five books of the Bible, Moses wrote. So his, he had a significant role in the formation of the Jewish religion because he recorded the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, Moses wrote the entire body of instruction in a book and gave it to the priest who carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and to the elders of Israel. Then Moses gave them this command. At the end of every seventh year, the year of release, during the festival of shelters, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. So he had a significant role in the formation of Jewish religion because he recorded those things in the first five books of the Bible. He also, more significantly, I believe, his role was in receiving God's words and transmitting them to Israel. In chapter uh, Numbers chapter 12, it says, The Lord said to them, Listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. Moses had such a special and profound relationship with God that God related things to him directly, not through visions and dreams, but directly because they spoke face to face. The third reason that we would study the life of Moses is he was human. He was human, and because he was human, he had human struggles, and he had human challenges. In fact, we often wonder why were some of these things recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, these things happen to them as examples for us. They are written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Moses had 
human struggles. He had human challenges. Let's look at what some of those were. First of all, we recognize he questioned God's direction and God's calling. Now, none of us would do that, but Moses did. Well, of course, we all do as well. He began to wonder, why me, God? Why have you chosen me? You remember one time he tried to call himself in intervening between an Egyptian and an Israelite. And because he had killed the Egyptian, he fled and had spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now he's out there saying, okay, I tried to do my part. From now on, I'm just going to sit out here in the desert and live the rest of my life. And then God shows up to him in a burning bush. And we'll talk more about that in subsequent weeks. And says, I'm calling you to come and deliver, to release the children of Israel. I'm, I'm using you. And he wondered, why me? In fact, in Exodus chapter 3, it says, Moses protested to God protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, hey, are you sure you're calling the right person? There are other people that are more gifted, that are more talented. In fact, he threw his gifts and talents and lack of gifts and talents in the face of God more than once. We also see that he wrestled with doubts and insecurities, just like we do. Just like we do. He wondered, will they listen to me? Will my words be significant? Why would Pharaoh want to listen? Why would the Israelites want to follow me? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Moses protested again. Here it's the second time. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? What am I supposed to do? He had doubts. He had insecurities. Why do we study him? Because we can see how God used him in spite of his questioning his God's direction of his questioning God's calling, of his wrestling with his own insecurities and doubts. We study him because God used him in spite of all those things. Another reason that we look at the life of Moses and study it is because we recognize a profound truth, and here it is. His decisions seriously impacted his future. His decisions impacted his future, both for the good and for the bad. Probably the one decision that he's remembered the most for is when the children of Israel arrived at Kadesh and there was no water. Now previously, God had said to Moses and Aaron, take your rod, strike the rock, and when you do, out of it will come water. Okay, so he has that background and that experience. But this time, he is instructed by God not to do that. He's instead to go and to speak to the rock. But in Numbers chapter 20, out of his frustration, and I would say an okay frustration with Israel. It says he raised his hand and he struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm going to give them. His decision seriously impacted his future. Now, did God not continue to love him? Absolutely, God loved him. Did God continue to direct him? Absolutely, God continued to direct him. But he missed out on the thing that he was looking forward to, leading the children of Israel into the promised land. He got the 40 years of wilderness, and granted, he gets heaven, but he didn't get to enjoy that final time when they stepped into the promised land, the thing that he had been speaking to them about for so, so long. Another reason that we study the life of Moses, is there's tremendous similarities between Moses and Jesus. First, both were Jewish by birth. Their nationality was Jewish. Obviously, we know that Mary and Joseph, 
were Jewish people. They lived in Israel. They had to return to their, their city of Bethlehem, which would be where they were from, by uh, tribe, by clan. And they went there to pay taxes. We know they were Jewish. We also look at Moses, and we see that even though he was raised by Pharaoh, uh, he was born to a young couple from the tribe of Levi. In Exodus chapter 1, it says, Pharaoh gave this order to the people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. And about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in a basket and laid it among the reeds along the Nile River. What's amazing is we see that the daughter of Pharaoh finds this baby and looks around and says to this nearby, what she perceives as a servant girl, which is actually the older sister of Moses, says, will you go find someone to, to raise or to nurse this child? And, and, and Moses ends up being taken back to his own mother for his uh, younger years. Another similarity between Jesus and Moses is both survived plots to kill them as infants. Pharaoh had ordered all the Hebrew babies to be drowned in the river. He survived that through the cunning of his parents and the sovereignty of God. We also see that Jesus uh, survived a plot to kill him when uh, his parents received a dream and were told to go to Egypt because there is someone coming to, to kill them. We know that the scripture speaks about the parents of Bethlehem weeping because of the loss of their children. Another similarity between Jesus and Moses is both of them were raised by men who wasn't their father. In Exodus chapter 2, it says, When the boy, Moses, was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The prince named him, the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. And the word Moses means to be drawn out. We know that when his uh, mother, Mary, his earthly mother, Mary, was uh, told that she was going to conceive Joseph, her fiancé had to make a determination and decision. Would he divorce her or would he stay with her? And we see that he chose to stay because God, too, spoke to him in a dream and said, the one that's coming is of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that both of these men were raised by men that weren't really their fathers. Another similarity between Moses and Jesus is both of them had their ministries born in the wilderness. As I mentioned earlier, it was, as Moses uh, grew and was older, was an adult, he wanted to go and check on his people. And he went among the Hebrews and he found there was a conflict going on between an Egyptian and an Israelite. He intervened and uh, ended up killing the Egyptian. And then uh, he was on the 10 most wanted list of Egypt. So he fled for his life into the wilderness. And in Exodus chapter 3, we know this story, that Moses led the flock far into the wilderness. Now, this is where he'd been. He was out there for 40 years. And when he came to Sinai, the mount of God, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a greater look, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now, if we skip a couple verses, it says, Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. What a place to receive a calling. You fled to the wilderness. 
to escape the terror of the Pharaoh. You spent 40 years out there. You have a family and you're just a shepherd. And in this wilderness, God shows up in this amazing burning bush that apparently bushes catching on fire, brush fires, were not uncommon. But what made this one significant, according to Moses, is that the fuel wasn't consumed. And that's when he went over, and then suddenly God says to him from that bush, I'm calling you, I'm sending you. Well, you can think of the similarities in the story of the life of Jesus. We know that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the adversary. While Moses had been in the wilderness 40 years, we know Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. And out of that encounter, and out of those encounters of victory over the adversary, we see the ministry of Jesus was born. It's interesting to me that the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, and the Bible says the heavens were opened. And I believe one of the things that Jesus fully understood then was the spiritual dimension in which we all walk. And he recognized that. And immediately after that, he goes and engages in a spiritual battle against the adversary. And for 40 days, he defeats the adversary with the powerful word of God. And because of that, out of that comes his ministry. It was birthed from that experience in the wilderness. Next, both Moses and Jesus performed numerous signs and wonders. Uh, in Exodus chapter 4, Moses got his start in the signs and wonders business with this verse. It says, the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? Moses replied, a shepherd's staff. And God said, throw it down to the ground. So Moses threw the staff down, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. That shows me he's a normal guy. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. That's kind of an amazing thing. Even though the um, sorcerers in Egypt were able to replicate some of these things, this particular rod did some amazing things. When it was held up, it brought forth water. It, it brought uh, the Red Sea into a division that allowed the children of Israel to come through. Moses did some amazing, amazing signs and wonders, and they were done in different ways with different means. Well, when we look at Jesus, he too performed many, many signs and wonders. It says that he healed many. He healed many with different methods. He used almost a different methodology every time so that we wouldn't get hung up on the method in which he healed, but in the fact that we would be looking to the source of all our healing, which is Jesus. Jesus performed tremendous signs and wonders, and it was only in certain places that he wasn't able to do that, one being Nazareth. We'll lead us to the next point. Both men were rejected by their own people. Moses demonstrated all of these tremendous signs and wonders for Israel that brought pain to Pharaoh and to Egypt. When Israel leaves Egypt, we see that they're being asked to go, they're being paid to go, they're being blessed to go, and they're not out there very far. And Exodus chapter 16, listen to what they said. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. But now we're brought into this wilderness to starve us all to death. They reject. More than one time, Moses was rejected by the children of Israel. At one point, God was to the point, he said, Moses, I'll make you a great nation. Let's wipe all of them out. Moses was rejected. Well, we know Jesus was rejected by his people. The Bible tells us in his own town of Nazareth, he was unable to do many good works because of the lack of belief. We know that in Nazareth, they took him out to the edge of the city and tried to, to throw him off uh, a rock outcropping. 
we know that he was rejected by his people. Uh, when we think of what happened during the Passion Week, when they began to shout, crucify, crucify, the same people that just weeks, just hours or days before had been saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Another similarity between Moses and Jesus is they both saved their people by a sacrifice on a pole. They saved their people by a sacrifice on a pole. If you remember, the children of Israel began to grumble, not unusual. And in Numbers chapter 21, it says the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for all the people. Again, another thing burst out of rejection, but look what happened. The Lord told him, Make a replica of that poison snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And anyone who was bitten by a snake could look up at the bronze snake and be healed. Moses lifted up a serpent on a pole. Well, Jesus crushed the serpent on the cross. In John chapter 3, it says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. There was a tremendous warfare that occurred at Calvary. And the serpent that had raised his head all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, and the promise had come that out of the seed of the woman will come someone that will crush your head. That was Jesus. It happened at Calvary. He crushed the serpent on the cross. Those are some comparisons between Moses and Jesus. One of the things that we recognize is God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. I am Moses. Lessons from the life of Moses. Join us in the next few weeks as we continue this study. We look at the things that God used Moses to do and to accomplish. And as we recognize the same way that God used Moses, he can use us and empower us. And the same struggles that Moses faced, we face. And the same power that Moses received to overcome, we too can receive to overcome. I am Moses. Lessons from his life. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. I pray in the coming weeks as we look at the life of Moses and recognize so many parallels in his life and the life of our Savior Jesus, that we will see what you can do through willing vessels. Not perfect vessels, but willing vessels through which your life can flow. Thank you for the truth of your word now. Bless your people in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In today's opening and closing, I'm standing in front of the O'Connell family walls. The reason I'm doing that is family is very, very important to us. One of the things that I am so grateful for is that God has allowed me to be a husband for almost 39 years and a father to two wonderful young ladies and a poppy to four and three quarters grandchildren. Family is very, very vital. Family is important. God feels that family is important. Look what he says in his word. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. God has placed us in a church family here at the Rivers, and it has been an honor to uh, serve the Lord with you. He places us in this family so that we can support one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, lift one another up, and we've been able to do those things. He also puts us together in a family that we might serve our community, and we're always looking for opportunities to do that as well. 
uh, the landscape has changed in recent days and weeks that it looks like we'll have the opportunity to resume uh, family gatherings shortly. I want to remind you that the church never stopped. It just quit gathering in a corporate setting. When we do res resume, and we're hoping to resume here next week on the 7th, uh, we'll be following some guidelines that have been established not only by our state and our county, but through the consultation with our organization leadership, uh, legal counsel, and our founding pastor, uh, Rob Christian. If you're interested uh, in helping us in any way in this process, we'd be grateful for your assistance. If you could just email us, info at therivers.org, that'd be so helpful in uh, putting together some teams because there's things that we have to do. Uh, we can't have people touching doors, for example. We need to have those propped open. We need to clean, uh, sanitize things after services, things such as that. Those are minor inconveniences for the opportunity together as a church family to worship the Lord and to honor Him. If you have any prayer needs this week, feel free to give us a call at the church or email us info at the rivers.org. As I say every week, I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving. Give as God has blessed and prospered you. You can do that at our website. Go online and do that. It's very quick. A couple of minutes is all it takes. And we're thankful and grateful for uh, your faithfulness in giving. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may He cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. We'll see you soon.